Well, hello and welcome back to another episode of Bible Prophecy for today. My name is Heather, so I give you news and views from a West Texans, a biblical point of view, one you're not going to find in your mainstream media. Hey guys, what's going on? We got some headlines to talk about. Hope you guys are doing a great day. Hope you had a great day or you're starting your day. Whichever that may be, I hope it's going to be a good day for you. So Obama's former White House doctor warns Biden's cognitive decline is bringing U.S. closer uh, to an all-out war. I'm sorry, does anybody really think Biden's doing anything but just showing up, you know, in places and just kind of looking like, you know, hi, I'm, I'm, I think I'm Biden. I don't really know my name anymore. Everybody knows he is not doing anything, but, you know, just doing some showmanship. Uh, and we all know that's true. So they eh, can disregard that, right? So the tragic results of divorcing the rapture from the gospel. Uh, Jonathan Brittner has an article about that. We'll talk a little bit about that. You know, I do like him. He is a great author and writer. I love him. So anyway, um, does Biden or I'm sorry, does Bible prophecy say earthquakes far worse than those in Turkey, Syria are coming? I don't know. Joel Rosenberg asked that question and uh, we'll talk about it. And Satan's prepping continues. Another article about Terry James and author Terry James. I love him. He even got his books. Get out there and get them. Um, so what else do we have going on? So Jan Markell asked the question, what happened to my church? I don't know. We'll talk about that. And is the predicted economic nightmare beginning hmm good question i think it's already begun i think it begun a little while ago and uh, their plan is just moving right along um you know the elitists they have their plan food plants are being destroyed and we have uh, you know toxic disasters going on in small town usa killing birds by the millions and cattle and oh my folks it's it's nightmarish really when you think about it and uh, it should really, you know, cause you guys to stop and pause and just, you know, look at the world where we're at and where we're living and what's going on and where we're heading. And all these signs point to the tribulation, the coming tribulation that's uh, headed our way uber fast, I might say, uber fast. That's my new word, uber. And not like the car. <laughs> not like your car ride, right? Guys, this is insane. I just, I never, you know, we went from living a somewhat normal life, you know, in 2019, everything was great, you know, or so we thought, next thing you know, boom, they unleashed this fake crap on us, this, uh, this Wuhan lab uh, manufactured design gain of function virus onto the entire world, and then they terrified everybody with brainwashing them every five minutes. You know, 55 people have died, five died, people died. There's people in the hospitals. Oh my gosh, look at the morgues. They got semi set up in, in New York City because their morgues can't. I'm like, that's it actually what? You know? So it just terrified people. Mortified. I mean, people were panicked and fraught and fearful and oh my goodness oh my it was terrible and then after a few you know weeks and months we realized wait a minute this is this is not exactly what they said it was going to be but yeah you wouldn't have known that by the non-stop barrage of media uh just propaganda you know but there's a few a few people thank god that were smart enough to realize hey wait a minute something's wrong here and the few drugs that were given um that could have saved the untold millions of lives but um, did they do that? No. Their protocol was a death sentence. We're going to hook you up on this ventilator. And we're going to give you this remdesivir, which we know kills millions of people and shut down every organ of your body. But hey, that's going to be our protocol. Uh, and that's the only protocol you doctors can follow. That's it. That's it. You can't do anything else. Don't go outside the box. Don't try to save your patients. <laughs> no, we're trying to kill them. You know, so just follow our protocol. Basically is what happened. Um, in 2020, 2021, 2022, 23, 24, 25, I'm sorry, went into, um, yeah, <laughs> Texas, you know, we have auctions still, do you guys go to cattle auctions? I don't know. Anyway, so yes, folks, this, this is what is going on. And so it's continuing, it's continuing. You got to get the jab, third jab, fourth jab, fifth jab, fifth, you know, you know, just keep getting the jabs, folks. Keep, you know, blowing your immune system away. Now they say the mRNA. Oh, is that his last in there? No, whatever. Well, Dr. John Campbell's done some lots of research. And yeah, there's still mRNA replicating in your body 28 days later. And uh, so he was talking about uh, they're in Denmark. So Denmark doesn't have the highest cases of like the rest of the world does because when they give vaccines, they do, I think it's called aspiration is what he says. 
And so they stick the they stick in the needle right, and then they pull back a little bit. If they get blood, and they know they've hit an artery or a vein or whatever, and so they do not give the vaccine in that location to take it back out. And then you know, of course, they give it intramuscular, like you should. But no, in the most of the world, they didn't care about that. <laughs> so people who died like within fifteen minutes, those are people that probably got the jab within you know an artery or a vein or uh, something, whatever, right? Uh, capillary, who knows, right? So there's so much research being done um, outside of the CDC. Um, anyway, who's there should be a new name for the CDC and it should not be the C- Center uh, for Disease, whatever. No, because they don't No, they don't control anything uh, except for the propaganda and they control the release of data. And they OK, we could call them, you know, yeah, but folks, it's I'm just I'm flabbergasted. Can I say that word flabbergasted? I'm flabbergasted. I'm sure you guys are, too. Um, it just angers me so it, I'm just infuriated. I'm infuriated. And now they're, they they have put this COVID-19 uh, vaccine. It's not a vaccine. It's a gene editing, you know, mRNA uh, tool, I believe they're using to just kill off people by the untold millions. But anyway, they have added this to children's immunization schedule. Folks, if you're still getting your kids immunized, I want to pray about that. I'm saying praying about that. Talk to a doctor that's not in the system, you know, that's not in it caught up into the system, you know. Talk to a, a, a Christian doctor. Anyway, guys, uh, they've added this to the immunization schedule of children who very rarely, even, even if they do get COVID, they don't even know they had COVID. It, I mean, seriously. But these vaccines are killing people by the untold millions and people are dropping, literally dropping dead like flies. They're just dropping wherever they stand, just drop it on football fields. They're dropping on radio stations in their booths. They are dropping dead in traffic, uh, on the air, um, everywhere, everywhere, like flies, just dropping. Nothing to see here, folks. Nothing to see here. (laughs) No, no, we have, there's a new, there's a new, um, the number one killer now is not heart disease or cancer or anything like that. I don't know what could be cancer because that's on the rise thanks to the shot, the clot shot, the, uh, yeah, that, that thing there. Um, but uh, the new thing is sudden, uh, sudden cardiac arrest, a sudden adult um, uh, cardiac arrest for whatever. So now it's SARS or whatever. So they came up with these new names. And it's, I, I saw this other thing in the news today. It said, oh my gosh, the erythritol. The erythritol that they use in diet drinks and all these keto. Oh, it's causing blood clots. It could cause strokes. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, really? They've been using that for years, but suddenly it now begins to cause blood clots and strokes and heart attacks. Suddenly. <laughs> kind of like the jab suddenly yeah no folks it has been around for years but now they've they got to start blaming other things because you know some of the some of the brainwashed propaganda kool-aid drinking folks come around going hey wait a minute there's something wrong here why is everybody dying what what's going on it must be the erythritol in my keto drink that's what it is oh gosh i should have known better really couldn't couldn't be that shot that you keep taking i don't know you know it's time to get your fourth jab people come on now you got to get that booster 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 just makes me so mad guys i'm sorry if i get a little pissed about that but i am telling you what babies are dying in the womb children are dying mothers are dying mothers are feet breastfeeding their babies and they're dying because of this crap Nobody really knows what's in the shot. And even to this day, when you take out that little insert that's supposed to tell you what's in there, it's all blank. (laughs) Intentionally left blank. This page was indefinitely intentionally left blank. Like you had to write that on there. (laughs) Why have we in this society come to that? Have you read the tags on the back of your shirt here lately? (laughs) I'm sorry. Do not let your child play with the plastic bag that this product came in. Really? Oh, maybe you should put on there. Maybe not let your adult children or you play with this plastic bag. That's a toy. I'm sorry. It's sad, folks. It's sad. But enough Jim and John around, as we say, him hawing. Let's get to some articles, shall we? So numero uno on the list here is the predicted economic nightmare beginning. <laughs> well, if I'll, I don't know about you guys, but I think it begun. 
2020. I think they had uh, they had started the lineup like in 2019. And if people still don't believe this, go back and look at Event 201 where Bill Gates, Fauci, and all of the Coca-Cola folks and everybody had already gotten together and uh, had already planned what they were going to do. That's why people call it the pandemic. This is not a pandemic. It's a pandemic. And if you think this is the only pandemic they have planned, you're wrong because there's ooh, so many they have planned out of the Marsberg. You've heard about that. And uh, who's to say they won't release that out into the world? I mean, folks, who knows what all they've done and who knows what they got planned? Oh, I don't know. The book of Revelation tells us there's a lot coming. There's a lot coming. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't really want to be around for that. People like you people just want to escape. Of course I do. Of course, I don't want to be here for God's wrath. Are you kidding me? Who does? Nobody. And God doesn't want us here for his wrath. And neither does Jesus. So that's why he has promised to take his bride home. Ah, Get in the word of God, folks. Let the word of God get into you. Okay, so moving right along. The economic nightmare that you have been waiting for is just beginning. Folks, this is by Michael Snyder, originally posted in the Economic Collapse blog on the 27th of February, which is today. So a lot of people out there have been waiting for the next major economic crisis to arrive. If you're one of them, you don't have to wait any longer because it's already here. All the numbers are telling us that we haven't faced a downturn of this magnitude since 2008. On Tuesday, we learned that exiting home sales in the United States have now fallen for 12 months in a row. U.S. exiting home sales slow for the 12th consecutive month in January as high mortgage rates servicing inflate are surging inflation and steep home process a sapped consumer demand from the housing market seller previous own homes tumbled down 0.7 percent in january for the prior month to an annual rate of four million units according to new data released tuesday by the national association of realtors on an annual basis existing home sales are down 36.9 percent when compared with january of 21 it is the slowest pace since november of 2010 when the u.s was still in the throes of the housing crisis triggered by subprime mortgage default mortgage default so what else we got going on just think about these numbers for a moment existing home sales have dropped every single month for an entire year that is catastrophic overall existing home sales are a whopping 36.9 percent lower than they were this time last year and he goes we haven't seen anything like this since the housing crash another bad indicator is the conference board's index of leading economic indicators has now fallen for 10 months in a row according to zero hedge this is the first time that has happened since the collapse of the Lehman Brothers. And just like we witnessed in 2008, the housing market is crashing. In fact, the median price of a home in in the San Francisco Bay Area has already fallen by a whopping 35%. 35%. That's a lot, you guys. So the median price in non-county Bay Area plunged by another 8% in January from December by 17% year over year in by 35% or by $540,000 in 10 months from the crazy peak in March of 2022 from $1.54 million to $1 million, according to the California Association of Realtors. Home prices in the Bay Area are plummeting even faster than they did during the first housing crash. But don't worry. Joe Biden says that everything is just fine of course the reality of the matter is that everything is not fine as bad as things are for the residential real estate the truth is that things are even worse for the commercial real estate earlier today he goes he came across an article that explained one of the biggest landlords in los angeles just defaulted on 755 million dollars in loans Folks, Brookfield Corporation, parent of the largest office landlord in downtown Los Angeles, is defaulting on loans tied to two buildings. Rather than refinancing the debt as demand for space weakens in the center for the second largest city. The two properties in default, part of a portfolio called Brookfield DTLA Fund Office Trust Investor, are the gas company Tower with $465 million in loans in the 777 Tower uh, with about $290 million in debt. According to a filing, the fund manager had warned in November that it may face foreclosure on properties. Sadly, this is just the tip of the iceberg. So, yes, folks, we stand on the brink of the most epic commercial real estate crash in the entire history of the United States. And it's absolutely going to devastate the financial community. Meanwhile, the tsunami of layoffs that we have been witnessing just continues to intensify. For instance, KPMG just announced that it will be laying off about 700 workers. 
Uh, several financial firms have slashed jobs in recent months, including major Wall Street banks, asset managers, and fintechs amid a turbulent uh, macroeconomic environment that has pressured consumers and soured demand in several mainstay business units. The cuts at KPMG will also um, will affect uh, close to 700 people, uh, the FT um, a report added. Of course, DocuSign is already on their second round of layoffs. E-signature software company DocuSign on Thursday announced plans to cut around 10% of its workforce. DocuSign had uh, 7,461 employees in January of 2022 before it announced an earlier round of layoffs last September that impacted 9% of its workforce. Uh, the company said the latest cuts will impact about 700 employees. Folks, that's quite a bit of uh, quite a bit of employees there, you know. But you don't really think about that. But of course, DocuSign, I'm sure, was huge um, back during the COVID era, you know. Uh, because you know, everybody was working from home, and of course, you know, whatever. That's just my take. But anyway, what else? What else do we have? So we got even Apple is letting people go. It says it is because reported that hundreds of contractors were suddenly given the axe last week. New York Post said Apple uh, fired hundreds of contractors last week. These workers are employed by outside the companies, um, but work alongside Apple employees on projects. It appears Apple is reducing um, headcount as the macroeconomic environment remains challenging. And I can tell you, folks, I used to do that. I did tech support for Apple through a third-party uh, contractor. And so I'm um, kind of glad I'm not doing that anymore. I wouldn't have a job. But anyway, um, even uh, if even an extremely wealthy company like Apple has decided that now is the time for mass layoffs, what does that say about the economic outlook for the rest of 2023? In 2022, we witnessed a wave of layoffs in the tech industry that was unlike anything we have seen since the Great Recession. And so far this year, we're on our way, way ahead of last year's pace, he says. Um, the news comes after 1,045 tech companies last year fired 161,000 employees in 2022. So far this year, 380 companies have fired 108,000 workers, according to the job tracking website layoffs.fyi. This is, folks, we're only in March. We're not even in March yet. Look at this. So as economic activity slows down, major retailers are closing hundreds of locations all over the country. America is bracing for a mass exodus of retail stores across the nation this year with more than 800 big box locations set to close from California to New York. Among the iconic names to announce their downside includes Bed Bath & Beyond, Walmart Gap, and Party City. Of course, the new Bed Bath & Beyond would be on there. They've closed stores for several years now. And I do believe one of their companies is World Market. Yes, if you guys ever shopped at World Market, I was a the manager there for a while. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, pretty cool store, though. Pretty cool concept. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, that was years ago, folks, back in the day. So anyway, does anyone out there still want to try to argue if the economy is in good shape? Look, if the economy was really in good shape, then why is Walmart closing down more stores? Walmart has confirmed it is shutting down seven stores um, over profitability concerns after a thorough or thorough uh, review process. They said Walmart confirmed the closure of five locations across three states and next to our last week. Among those was a store in Albuquerque, New Mexico. That was described as an underperforming in a statement to Nexar's uh, KRQE. Other impacted locations include a store in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and three in the Chicago area. Nexar's WGN reports two of the stores in Chicago did not meet financial expectations. So Walmart can to see what is coming. So can Apple. So can hundreds of other major corporations that have been downsizing in recent weeks. Everyone is batting down, battening down the hatches because we are entering a really bad storm. Of course, not everyone is hurting. If you're in the top 10% of all income earners, you may not, you may still be doing quite well for now, he says. But at this point, the gap between the ultra wealthy and the rest of us is larger than ever. And most of the population is just trying to find a way to survive from month to month. Folks, you can go check that article out at uh, prophecynewswatch.com or originally posted in the Economic Collapse blog. Of course, once again, that article was written by Michael Snyder. I do like old Michael Snyder. So what else? Jonathan Brittner tells us it was posted the 24th of February, the tragic result of divorcing the rapture from the gospel. Belief, gospel, and pre-tribulation rapture is what this is all about, you guys. So somewhere in the past, a tragic, uh, tragic divorce occurred. Theologians decided we must separate the return of Jesus for his church from the proclamation of the gospel. The results of this the untimely divorce have led to a dearth 
of understanding among believers regarding Jesus appearing in the joyful anticipation that comes with such awareness. Confused believers hear that they will surely die rather than meet Jesus in the air, um, which directly contradicts a new or the New Testament is uh, in passages such as 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, 17. The Apostle Paul believed there would be many saints alive at the time of the rapture, but many preachers today disagree with him on this matter. Many New Testament texts, uh, many New Testament texts, text connects Jesus' imminent appearing for his church with the gospel hope of believers. Of course, Titus 2, 11 through 14, Philippians uh, 3, 20, verses 21, and uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter verse, um, chapter 1, verse 17, 1 Thessalonians 1, 8 through 10, and 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 55, and Romans chapter 8, 23 through 25. It says Jesus' imminent appearing and our receiving receipt of immortal imperishable bodies were essential elements of the gospel preached uh to the early saints why has this changed so drastically in our day well we'll talk about that you know what i mean let's get into the meat shall we let's dig into it so he says number one a near blackout of teaching about our blessed hope the divorce of the rapture from the gospel has resulted in a near blackout of teaching about our blessed hope in the churches today. This negatively impacts new believers as well as seasoned saints as it leaves them ill-prepared to live in a fear-ridden society because such teaching uh, provides no prophetic context into which they can place the violence and lawlessness of our day or the push for a new world order. The book of 1 Thessalonians reveals that the hope of Jesus' soon appearing was an essential facet of the gospel uh, message preach, uh, Paul preached during his short stand Thessalonica. Uh, notice what the apostle wrote about its reception among the new converts. It says, For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything, for thy thems, for they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come as first Thessalonians chapter 1 verses 8 through 10 so upon turning to Jesus the new converts immediately began writing or waiting for his appearing aka the rapture Paul included the return of Jesus for his church in his preaching from the very beginning why else would they have responded to his message with an eager expectation of it the new converts in Thessalonica were so fixated on their soon departure from the earth that when some in their midst died they grieved unnecessarily thinking they would miss out on the rapture which is 1 Thessalonians 4 13-19 in response Paul emphasized the primary place of the dead in Christ during the rapture, telling his converts that Jesus would resurrect them first at his appearing, which is in verses uh, chapter four, verse 16. If the issue had uh, been a failure to believe in a future resurrection, Paul's response would have been uh, would have been similar to what he wrote in first uh, Corinthians chapter 15. Instead, he emphasized the role of the dead in Christ in the rapture because that was the cause of their lingering sorrow. In Romans 8, 23, the apostle identified a key aspect of Jesus' appearing, the redemption of our bodies. And in verse 24 says, for in this we hope we were saved. For in this hope we were saved. Let me correct that. Uh, Paul regarded the event we call the rapture as a key aspect of his preaching because it signified the hope contained in the saving message of the gospel jesus promises eternal life to all who believe in him our experience of it begins with his return for us the rapture when he gives us immortal bodies first corinthians chapter 15 51 through 55 and takes us to the place he has prepared for us john chapter 14 verses 2 through 3 the rapture is the joyous future tense of gospel uh, and a message that people desperately need to hear. Now, number two, a diversion of the believer's focus to earthly aspirations. Another sorrowful result of this divorce is this. It takes the eyes of believers away from their ultimate hope at a time when they need such a focus. Instead, their eyes remain focused on earthly aspirations. Very few pastors talk about what happens at the moment Jesus returns for his church. Even those that believe these things never ever mention the believer's hope of immortal bodies for fear that talking about the rapture might hurt attendance. Guys, once again, these verses are 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 55 and Philippians 3, 20 to 21 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 16 and 17. 
If there was ever a time the saints need to hear about their blessed hope, it's now. Multitudes of young people are dying suddenly across the world. Natural and man-made disasters are claiming lives and raising levels of fear. Threats of nuclear war bound. America and Russia are already at war with each other in the proxy conflict in Ukraine. The globalists warn of new pandemics and future crises, which frighten many because of their track record in correctly predicting such things. He goes, he couldn't begin to cope with all that comes across his newsfeed apart from a prophetic perspective that assures me and assures you God is sovereignly in control of all things and that Jesus is coming uh, for me before the day of the Lord just as he promised in 1 Thessalonians 5 verses 1 through 11. I agree. Apart from this joyous expectation he said he would have to ignore all the threats prevalent in our world and somehow pretend they don't exist. That is so true you guys. So Bible, uh, biblical prophecy puts current events in perspective and offers joyous hope for both those in Christ and outside of saving faith. Sermons that emphasize this life at the expense of the future tense of the gospel perform a great disservice to the lives of many in the body of Christ, he says. And we'll go on and skip on down here to number three. And it says, an open door to wokeism in the church and the eroding of the gospel purity, the defense of premillennialism, my goodness gracious, these words, <laughs> which includes a belief in the rapture, a literal seven-year tribulation, and Jesus' thousand-year reign is a long-term defense of the purity of the gospel and a safeguard against wokeism in the church. During the 5th century AD, the majority of those in the church switched from premillennialism to amillennialism, uh, advocated by Augustine, which he based on the allegor allegorization of many prophetic texts in God's word, as well as Platonism. Later, the church applied Augustine's mythology to of interpreting prophetic texts to scripture passages related to the gospel, and the purity of its message disappeared from the organized church during what we know as the, quote, dark ages, unquote. The abandonment of justification by faith in the church began centuries earlier with the allegorization of biblical texts related to millennial promises God made to Israel. Once a pastor, church, or denomination regulates, I'm sorry, relegates a prophetic passage to allegory, others apply the same mythology to other biblical passages and false teaching in shoes. So it may not happen right away, but eventually scripture passages related to marriage begin to fall by the wayside as evidence. The Andy Stanley, a longtime advocate of interpreting God's promises to Israel as symbolism fulfilled now in the church. Such altering of the intent of prophetic passages in the Bible opens the door to compromise with the quote woke culture. Maybe not for years down the road, but says but it will happen whether for the sake of those coming to faith in jesus or for those already in the faith we must reunite the message of the gospel with our blessed hope the divorce of the two has done much damage to the purity of the gospel throughout the history of the church and he goes my primary purpose for writing the triumph of the redeemed was to provide believers with a solid biblical foundation for placing their hope in jesus's imminent appearing which most churches fail to provide the saints and once again uh, or fail to provide to the saints this is a jonathan brittner's article so once again this is jonathan brittner you can go to jonathanbrittner.com and check it out so anyway moving along along the last but not least number four silence regarding our joyous blessed hope so guys uh, the message of the gospel is this jesus died on the cross for our sins was buried rose again on the third day ascended to heaven and is coming again to give us imperishable immortal bodies and take us to the place he has prepared for us jesus's resurrection means that we too will live forever with bodies that will never grow old get sick or die the church is far too silent on this all-important matter titus 2 11 through 14 places our blessed hope aka the rapture as a result of responding to the gospel message for the grace of god has appeared bringing salvation for all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled upright and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. The aversion to mentioning the rapture has led to silence in many churches regarding the true meaning of our blessed hope. It's not the second coming, but rather all the saints 
of the church age meeting Jesus in the air before the tribulation period, which is First Thessalonians 4, 14 through 17. He goes on to say, if you have not yet put your trust in Jesus, he says, please see his post. Jesus is the only path to eternal life. In it, he says, he explains how you can know for sure that Jesus has forgiven all your sins and that you possess eternal life. Christ alone can, can, sorry, God's cross alone can give you bright hope for a tomorrow, regardless of the threats that come our way from a fallen world he goes in conclusion he says the divorce of our blessed hope from the gospel has tragically led to a focus on temporal outcomes within the church today the loss of an excited anticipation of jesus's return for us and the loss of preserving the purity of the gospel that sadly impacts future generations who apply the same mythology used to deny premillennialism to other clear passages of god's word Ooh, yes, folks, you guys can check the article out at jonathanbrittner.com, and he is absolutely right. They have taken it away, allegorized, and all these other things to the Bible, and uh, I'm, I'm telling you, the only thing that really makes sense if you look at it is including the rapture of the church. It's the only thing that fits it all together. It's the piece of the missing puzzle, and they try to tell you that, oh, it's what's your name, and, uh, it, you know, that only came along between Darby and blah, blah, blah. No, the Apostle Paul preached the rapture of the church. If you go back and read those uh, verses and you'll understand like that is what he was talking about. But anyway, moving right along, you guys, I did want to uh, mention uh, a couple folks uh, that need prayer. Uh, my pastor, Pastor Dallas Stringer, um, is definitely one of them. He's had a hard go of it here lately. Um, he's got, uh, is his eye and um, it turns like counterclockwise clockwise that kind of rotates like that in the socket and there's only a handful of people um that have had this or have this and so they don't know a lot about it and um of course it's hindering his reading of course and right now he's wearing a patch over it and they said there's only three things that they can do for it one of are these drops and so he tried the drops and unfortunately they didn't work another thing is is this pill that they give them but the side effects is like chemo and so, of course, he was preaching this Sunday, but last Sunday he wasn't able to make it because of the side effects of this pill. Mm. And the third option is uh, brain surgery. And um, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. And so I can't imagine, oh, man, what that must, must feel like. I can't even imagine. But um, he's uh, he is a prayer warrior, you guys. And um, I'm very much uh, in agreement that God will heal him. And so I want you guys all to pray if you would, too. And with me for my pastor, Pastor Dallas Stringer, and my cousin Leslie Otwell. Um, she is has I mean she has been sick um for a while, you guys, and uh COVID just about knocked her out. She did not get the jab. Um, so but COVID's been rough on her and she's got other underlying health issues anyway. And she's just I'm telling you, having a hard, hard time since December, you guys. Since December has just not um, been feeling well so if you guys would, guys would pray in agreement with me too that the lord would heal uh, my cousin leslie and uh, my pastor um, dallas um, stringer and um, you know we serve a mighty mighty awesome god and i think we neglect to remember that you know uh, we know that he does all these things but yet do we really believe that you know we got to believe it and um you know james told us you know when you ask don't don't be wishy-washy you know don't be wishy-washy believe what you ask for and i do you know and, and jesus tells us where two or more are gathered there he is in the midst of them and if two two or more agree as touching anything on earth um it'll be done by his father um in heaven and so you know we we need to believe these things and so you know i've heard a lot of people say that's not what that scripture means and you know eh, you know I take it as a promise from God. And, you know, Jesus told us these things. And, of course, you know, when we pray um, for healing, we pray in agreement with all these things. It must be in agreement with God's will. You know, you can't just say, God, give me a Cadillac. I'm believing for a Cadillac. You know, no. You know, we have to agree with his will, with his word. 
um, basically. And so, uh, you know, that's why you got to know the word of God. So when you pray, you can pray in agreement with his word. But if you don't know his word, it's going to make it hard to pray in agreement with that, right? <laughs> so anyway, guys, I was going to talk about an article um, from Jan Mark Hill. And I got to look at that. And I'm like, you know what? I have read this article um, on this podcast a couple times, as a matter of fact, because it was written back in February of 2020. And so, guys, if you want to check out that um, article, you can go to harbingersdaily.com and check it out. Um, so, what did we want to talk about? So, one thing I did was bringing this up right here. So, Satan's Prepping Continues. This is by Terry James. And so, as opposed to the 27th of February, which is today. Uh, earlier today, way earlier today. <laughs> anyway, because World War Three is considered almost a certainty by some of the most revered military affairs experts in the economy. There are developments that can be nothing less than preparing for the coming marks and numbers 666 system of revelation. Chapter 13 in science, AI in all things digital are bringing all of humanity under surveillance and controls that will provide Satan's man antichrist everything needed to ensure slave a world and so a world that obviously is already in, in a compliant mood to worship lucifer and so let's check out this article and you can find it at terryjanesprophecyline.com and so it goes on to say preppers quote unquote are sometimes deemed wise sometimes lauded and often criticized as conspiracy theorists and worse whatever their acceptance praise or condemnation their very existence and proliferation gives credence even even validation to their fear that something wicked this way comes or say it says something wicked this way comes as mr shakespeare would have it he says so in whether one's a prepper or not <clears throat> even a non-bible prophecy observer can recognize that there is a growing wickedness in every direction on the cultural and societal landscape prepping of course is gathering all sorts of things to prepare against hard times to come fear is prevalent in growing that there will be a complete fiscal breakdown the dollar will massively lose value and be replaced by alternative economic uh, systems worldwide there is belief that well of course murphy had to jump up here and so i can't see the article thank you murphy come on little girl come on murmur <laughs> so the do so this is a belief that society will collapse under the despotic hands of tyrants uh seeking to bring america down Fear of attacks of cyber and even kinetic sorts are on the rise. There is trepidation that things like this are now being planned by the likes of Russia and China against a once well-protected America, a nation no longer secured against such destructive possibilities. He says he admits uh, to writing um, himself about these fearful prospects in context of trying to be discerning about what uh, word, what God's word has to say about this generation as it approaches the time Jesus said it will be the most of human history which is matthew chapter 24 verse 21 so a growing percentage of earth's inhabitants are looking at what they see coming and are trying to protect themselves and those they love from a possibility or from a possibly unprecedented assault against humanity some are intensively doing so pulling out all stops the billionaires we hear are about are doing things uh, like buying up old deserted missile silos and fixing them up for long-term living underground while the chaos of nuclear war and other deadly things occur on the planet's surface. Lesser financially secure folks are equally fearful of things to come or stockpiling foods, medical supplies, and all they think necessary to survive. Of course, admittedly, the vast majority of the world's population, if they think at all about such dire possibilities, do so for only a fleeting moment. They are too busy doing life from one minute to the next. They're there is one, however, who is doing a different kind of prepping, and he is doing so at breakneck speed. We can see his handiwork in that regard by simply observing the times and watching headlines unfold. It is as if he knows that he has a short time to prepare in consideration of his biblically forecasted uh, of his biblically forecast destiny. I'm talking about, of course, he says, Lucifer, the fallen one. He says Satan is in all out phase of prepping as I believe a, I and others who are watchmen and watch women can discern in these increasingly troublesome times. He says the devil observably has 
has his collars and chains around the necks of the dogs of, of government, military, economy, science, entertainment, and especially religionists. He says, uh, we go over these matters every week in, in the many columns of those who present observations on Bible prophecy development. He says, in government, we see uh, development shaping swiftly into the final global entity Daniel the prophet spoke of uh, to King Nebuchadnezzar. In military matters, we see war being threatened in areas of prophetic significance. World War III is considered almost a certainty by some of the most revered military affairs experts. He says in the economy, there are developments that can be nothing less than the prepping for the coming marks in number 666 system of Revelation 13 in science. And he says AI and all things digital are bringing all of humanity under surveillance and controls that will provide Satan's man and across everything needed to enslave a world, a world that obviously is already in a compliant mood to worship Lucifer. Last week's Super Bowl made it clear, at least within the microcosm of that screaming throng, that the masses might be all in might be all in on welcoming uh, the coming man of sin in his beast state. And Murphy is just all over the place tonight. I'm sorry. So anyway, um, at Super Bowl halftime show, Rihanna keeps the satanic spirit of last week's Grammys alive and kicking in demonic aerial display with fallen angels. Last week, we showed you how the Grammys invited uh, to uh, invited to world the world to enjoy something beautifully and holy. And then cheered as Satan was prayed to, invoked and worshipped on international television and sponsored by Pfizer, no less. Moments ago, the 2023 Super Bowl halftime show opened with um, filth merchant uh, Rihanna descending from the sky, surrounded by what could only be described as uh, dancing fallen angels and saying, blank, better have my money. What was the reaction? Cheering and applause so loud that it complete that it competed with the music uh, for your ear. You can stop having the debate now on whether or not American is a Christian nation. We absolutely are not, he says. And that was from uh, the RR News Story Link prompt for After Ready News. In religion, he goes on to say, there is a movement of all religions, all belief systems attempting to come together as one. Pope Francis is consistently seen at the forefront of the effort while he applauds and approves of the World Economic Forum uh, efforts to bring the world back to Babel. He says, we witnessed a meeting on a traditional Mount Sinai in Egypt where globalist minions came down and visiting the top, bringing down in a way that mocked God's Ten Commandments, their Ten Commandments for dealing with climate change and other world problems. And if you remember right, he actually threw them on the ground too and broke them. It was pathetic. Such, ugh. Anyway, all of this is Satan's prepping. While the world preps to survive what they fear is coming, the devil is prepping with all at his disposal uh, to bring on that very devastation the human preppers fear. He says he believes one of the chief signs uh, that we see in Satan's prepping is the activity going on with the unidentified flying objects for which nobody within the military command system uh, seems to have an answer. The question I have, he says, is, is the world with this sudden rash of UFOs being further prepared to accept a space brother of visitation explanation for that stunning moment when the rapture occurs? I wonder that too. Anyway, he goes, uh, this sudden phenomenon in conjunction with the insanity being perpetrated against children gives reason in his view to wonder. He says, as many who read these commentaries know, he says he's convinced beyond any remedy uh, that every child under the age of accountability will go to be with our Lord when he calls the church. I believe that too. He says God is going to, he says he's convinced, demonstrate how he hates the way the world has dealt with the helpless little ones. The judgment and wrath will be great on this collective sin. He says he has no doubt. I don't either. He says we can expect Satan's probably to become more intensive as 2023 proceeds. Perhaps part of the reason Jesus told us to keep looking up is that Satan's prepping the so-called UFOs, etc., will be a key indicator of the Lord's very near call to believers. And he ends with, and when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draws nigh. Yes, folks, that is Luke 21, 28. And I say that all the time. I am looking for the Oh, man, the great appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I am looking, I'm waiting, I'm hopeful, I am listening for the trumpet call. Oh, my goodness, folks, things are happening so fast, so very fast. So what else? Does Bible prophecy say earthquakes far worse than those in Turkey, Syria are coming? Well, I don't know. Let's check it out. This is by Joel Rosenberg. You can check it out at allisrael.com. And so he says, uh, but there is hope. 
Here's the biblical case he said he laid out last week on the Rosenberg Report. So this was uh, uploaded and posted on the 24th of February by Joel C. Rosenberg. And it says, as earthquakes, massive, daily, and destructive signs of the end times, are they part of the birth pangs of what Jesus spoke? And does Bible prophecy say the worst is yet to come? In light of the horrific quakes that just hit Turkey and Syria and left more than 100,000 people dead and wounded and millions without homes, these were the questions we tackled on the Rosenberg report last week he says and you can click there to watch the whole thing if you'd like to go to allisrael.com and he says she said the context uh let me take you back to 2006 that's the year he wrote the first non-fiction book epicenter why the current rumblings in the middle east will change your world he says he laid out 10 specific headlines that the world would one that the world would one day read he says chapter 11 was called future headline a new world or new war erupts in middle east as earthquakes pandemics hit europe africa and asia that was 12 years ago and sure enough these are headlines we've been reading ever since he says he says to be clear he says he's not a prophet a psychic or a modern nostradamus unquote he says i don't have any unique ability within myself to see the future he says rather as i explained in epicenter i'm writing about what god says is coming bible prophecy is an intercept for the mind of the all-knowing all-powerful all-sovereign god of the universe god doesn't tell us everything he's going to do or all he is going to sovereignly allow satan to do in all countries and all in all regions of the world at all times in history so he does say but he does tell us some of the things that are going to happen in some countries and some regions at some periods of time in the future he says unfortunately too many christians ignore bible prophecy but he says he takes it seriously and of course so do i you guys know that and when i write books he says about prophecy or teach about it he says he encourages people to study the scriptures carefully take the prophecies literally and consider how to walk with christ more faithfully in light of what god says is coming he says what does the new testament say about earthquakes and what are we seeing happening in our times he says in the new testament for example lord jesus warned his disciples that in the last days terrible wars earthquakes and infectious plagues and diseases would spread across the globe just to name a few of the quote signs the birth pains that jesus said would precede his second coming in luke chapter 21 for example our messiah prophesied that when you hear of wars and disturbances do not be terrified for these things must take place first but the end of does not follow immediately nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there will be your great earthquakes and in various places plagues and famines and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven that's luke chapter 21 uh verses 1 through 11 he goes on to say, and he says, when he wrote up center based on this in related prophecies, many critics and skeptics called me loony. He says, one acre on CNN called me the mayor of crazy town, unquote. He said, but just look at what's happened since 2006. Not only did we see the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq intensify and devastate the Middle East, he says, we saw the rise of the Islamic State and its genocide against Christians, and then the war to destroy ISIS and dismantle its caliphate. Last year, he says, Russia launched the biggest land war in Europe since World War II, more than two 200,000 people are dead and now Vladimir Putin is poised to escalate. He's massing more than a quarter of a million additional troops on the borders of Ukraine and threatening to use nuclear weapons. He says... Meanwhile, in 2020, we saw communist China unleash the Wuhan virus, the COVID-19 pandemic, the deadliest plague in a century, killing nearly 7 million people. Also, since 2006, we've seen one horrific earthquake after another strike around the world, including those in Turkey and Syria just last week. The deadliest series of earthquakes to hit the Middle East in nearly 100 years, folks. And the images are heart-wrenching. Death, destruction, shrieking, orphan babies, shattered, despondent parents. The initial quake registered 7.8 on the Richter scale, then came two more quakes nearly as bad. These were followed by dozens of aftershocks. Witnesses in Turkey told reporters it felt like the apocalypse. An aid worker in Syria's war-ravaged city of Aleppo told the BBC, we were in hell before the earthquake. We are now in the deepest level of hell. The U.S. has sent billions of dollars worth of rescue equipment, tents, blankets, medicine, clothing, and other emergency assistance, as have other governments. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu uh, whose government has worked hard in recent months to reconcile relations with Turkey, immediately sent nearly 400 rescue workers, doctors, nurses, and other emergency response specialists to help the Turkish government deal with the crisis. Folks, it is absolutely devastating. It is beyond, it is horrific. If you guys have seen um, any of the footage, oh, 
Oh my goodness, it's terrible. Anyway, oh, pray for them, pray for them. Anyway, uh, Christians are ministering to those devastated by the quakes. Christian ministries are also providing desperately needed aid. Franklin Graham's ministry, Samaritan's Purse, immediately sent an evangelical Christian medical team and a mobile field hospital to Turkey. A man who runs an evangelical ministry in Turkey told Christianity Today magazine that Christian doctors and engineers have rushed to the front lines eager to love their neighbors and care for those who are suffering just as Christ commanded. This is the test of the church, he said, and I'm proud of my brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. I'm also encouraged by how the church is responding. But what is the bigger picture, he says? At the same time, we need to see the bigger picture. These earthquakes are not simply tragedies. They're end-times prophecies coming to pass. We need to prepare ourselves because far worse is coming. Now, some of you watching may be skeptics thinking, Joe, come on, these earthquakes were terrible. Yes, but you're blowing them out of proportion. They're not prophetic. They're not a fulfillment of Bible passages telling people to watch for earthquakes to become more numerous and more catastrophic as the world approaches the return of jesus christ i'll be ridiculous joe oh these quakes are just random acts of nature unquote he says i hear you but look at the facts he says according to the u.s geological survey 19 of the 20 biggest earthquakes in human history have occurred since 1900 in fact the u.s government says the world is now experiencing some 20,000 earthquakes a year or about 55 a day that's a lot you guys Oh boy, given increasing urbanization around the globe, the fact that more and more people are leaving the countryside, moving into big cities to find work, and thus becoming so concentrated in big cities, even less intense quakes can now do horrific damage. Take the 2010 earthquake in Haiti, for example. He said it only registered a 7.0 on the Richter scale. That's why it's not in the top five, but not five. I'm sorry, guys. That's not why... That's why it's not in the top five, top 10, or even the top 100 most intense earthquakes in history. Yet, it was the deadliest earthquake in nearly 500 years and one of the deadliest uh, in all of recorded history, killing more than 300,000 people. Look, he says, I know it's not popular to say this, but I have to say it, and you need to hear it, he says. We are seeing more earthquakes than ever before in human history with greater frequency, horrific destruction, and massive casualties. Yet, the worst is yet to come, he says. He goes, uh, he says, yes, the worst is yet to come. Unfortunately, Bible prophecy tells us that far, far worse is coming. One such prophecy is found in the Old Testament, the book of Ezekiel. The other is found in the New Testament, the book of Revelation. Let's start with Ezekiel, chapters 38 and 39, where the Hebrew prophet describes an eschatological conflict known as the War of Gog and Magog. Ezekiel explains that in the last days, an evil dictator will rise to power in a region known as Bible times as Magog and today known as the Russian Federation. Federation. I cannot talk tonight, you guys. This dictator forms a military and political alliance with Persia, the country we now know as Iran. Together, they recruit Turkey, Libya, Sudan, and a range of other countries into their alliance. Then they order their military forces to surround, invade, and conquer the prophetically revived and reborn state of Israel. And yet, the Hebrew prophet Ezekiel, writing more than 2,500 years ago, does not describe the Israeli military defending the Jewish people, nor does Ezekiel describe other countries coming to Israeli's defense. Instead, just as Israel is about to be swallowed by whole by this Russian-Iran alliance, Ezekiel tells us that the God of Israel moves supernaturally to judge and destroy Israel's enemies with the whole world watching. Ezekiel 38, 18-20 indicates that on that day when Gog, G-G-O-G, comes against the land of Israel, the Lord God says, My fury will mount up in anger and anger. In my zeal and in my blazing wrath, I declare that on that day there will surely be a great earthquake in the land of Israel, the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, the beasts of the field, all the creeping things that creep on the earth, and all the men who are on the face of the earth will shake at my presence, unquote goes on to say the earthquakes epicenter will be in israel but its shock waves will be felt around the world and that's just the beginning of the judgment i will call for a sword against him on all my mountains declares the lord god in ezekiel 38 and 21 every man's sword will be against his brother in other words in the ensuing chaos the enemy forces will begin fighting each other then in verse 22 god says with pestilence and with blood i will enter into judgment with him that is against the russian dictator known as gog g-o-g and i will reign on him and on his troops and on the many peoples who are with him a torrential rain with hailstones fire and brimstone unquote 
When it's all over, Ezekiel tells us the devastation is so catastrophic that it will take seven months to bury all the bodies in that. It would take longer, but the birds of the air and the beasts of the field will eat most of the bodies of the enemies. It's a grim scene, he says, and the most dramatic judgment of God upon mankind since the days of the exodus out of Egypt when the ten plagues fell upon Pharaoh and his people. He says, now let's go back to the earthquake. God tells Ezekiel that the mountains will be thrown down the steep pathways will collapse and every wall will fall to the ground ezekiel 38 verse 20 does that mean that literally every wall on the planet will fall or just that every wall in israel in the middle east will fall does the prophecy mean that literally every person on the planet will be physically shaken or does it mean that the destruction will be so great throughout the middle east that everyone on earth will be emotionally shaken by fear higher gas and oil prices and by other less physical but no less powerful forces he's he asked he says i'll let you chew on that and we'll discuss it further on a future show and a future column he says but at the very minimum it's clear that a massive devastating and apocalyptic earthquake is coming far worse than anything the world has seen before and israeli officials admit they are woefully unprepared for future quakes so what does the book of revelation say about future quakes the final book of the Bible speaks of an earthquake even worse in the end times. The apostle John writes, I looked when he broke the sixth seal and there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair and the whole moon became like blood and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree casts its unripe, unripe figs. Uh, when shaken by a great wind, the sky was split apart like a scroll when it's rolled up and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Then the king of the earth, then the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for the great day of their wrath has come and who is able to stand this revelation 16 verses 12 through 17 in the same chapter the apostle tells us that one of the that one out of every four people on the planet will die during this time of judgment known as the great tribulation if it happens in our lifetime, that would mean that upwards of 2 billion people would perish because they've repeatedly and callously rejected and kept rejecting God, his word, his ways, and his Messiah. Is there any hope? These are sobering prophecies, he says. We ignore them at our own peril, but there is hope. Let's start uh See, let's start by asking two questions. First, why does God send earthquakes? Second, is there any hope? The answers are interconnected. God says through the Hebrew prophet Haggai, for this is what the Lord of armies says. Once more in a little while, I am going to shake the heavens and the earth, the sea also and the dry land. I will shake all the nations. That's Haggai verses or chapter two, uh, verse six through seven. Then God speaks to uh, the Hebrew prophet Amos. For behold, I am commanding and I will shake the house of Israel. Israel among all nations, Amos 9, 9. God in his mercy vows to shake every nation. Why? To get people's attention, to persuade them to let go of every religion, philosophy, or ideology other than faith in the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ to save them. There are lots of examples in scriptures, but here's one. He says, remember what God did in the book of Acts? About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly there came a great earthquake quake so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened when the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors open he drew his sword and was about to kill himself supposing that the prisoners had escaped but paul cried out with a loud voice saying do not harm yourself for we are all here and he called for the lights and rushed in and trembling with fear he fell down before paul and silas and after he brought them out he said sirs what must i do to be saved they said believe in the lord jesus and you will be saved you and your household and they spoke the word of the lord to him together with all who were in his house and he took them that very hour of the night and washed their wounds and immediately he was baptized he and all his household that's acts chapter 16 verses 25 through 34 
This is one reason God sends earthquakes to wake people up and draw them to Christ. But there is a second reason God also sends earthquakes to judge those who reject him and stubbornly refuse to repent. God told the prophet Isaiah, thus I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. Therefore, I will make the heavens tremble and the earth will be shaken from its place at the fury of the Lord of hosts in the day of his burning anger. Folks, that is Isaiah chapter 13 verses 11 through 13. And Isaiah also wrote from the Lord. Lord of hosts, you will be punished with thunder and earthquakes and loud noise with whirlwind and tempest in the flame of a consuming fire. And that's Isaiah 29 verse 6. Judgment, yes, but also mercy. This is why God sends earthquakes. And the scriptures are crystal clear. Yes, there's hope in this broken, chaotic world. Every man, woman, and child on earth has the opportunity right now to be adopted by God into his royal family, to have their sins forgiven, and to spend eternity with God and with all believers as Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have e- everlasting life. That's John three sixteen. But that hope is only available until we breathe our last breath on this earth or until Christ actually comes back to judge the living and the dead. So as we experience one birth pain after another warning us that we are living in the last days, I encourage today is the day of salvation. Right now, not later, is the time to get right with God. And I completely agree. Today is a day of salvation. Just like Jesus said, folks, what are you waiting for? We're going to end on that note tonight. And I'm just telling you guys, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? I'm giving you headlines. I'm giving you stories. All of these are interconnected with Bible prophecy. Jesus is telling you today is the day of salvation there's nothing you can do to save yourself you can't do it you can't do enough good works there's nothing you can do we're all filthy wretched sinners in need of a savior and if it wasn't for jesus i'll be on my way to hell and if you're not saved you're on your way to hell i don't care how good of a person you think you are (laughs) you're not you're not none of us are good there's only one good and that's the father so guys please i implore you today don't wait please don't wait If you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, today is the day. You can be sitting on your couch eating Cheetos. I don't care what you're doing driving down the road. I don't care what you're doing. I don't care what you're doing. I don't care what you've done. I don't care. It's when you and God. I do not care. I'm a wretch myself. I I don't care. And um, I don't care. You don't have to be in a church. You don't have to be anywhere. You don't have to talk to anybody. You can talk to the Lord God yourself. You can do that yourself. You need to know what you're being saved for. If you've ever sinned, and you all have, don't tell me you haven't because you'd be, a, you'd be a liar. We've all lied. We've all stolen. Everybody, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And you know what that is? That wage is death. We deserve death. We deserve hell. But God sent his son, Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, to live a perfect, sinless life, to die a horrific death on the cross for you and me, shed his blood for us, his blood sacrifice atones for our sin. God raised him from the dead three days later, and he ascended to heaven 30 days later, and he sits at the right hand of the throne of God. And why does he sit? Because it's finished, just like he said on the cross, it is finished. Jesus is not on that cross, you guys, anymore. He has been risen. He is risen. He is our living Savior. He's not on a cross. He's our Savior seated at the right hand of the throne of God because it's finished. And he is waiting until his father tells him, go get your bride. If you haven't watched before the wrath, you need to watch that movie. You have a bigger, greater understanding of the rapture of the church and how it all comes to play and why all the disciples were Galilean Jews and what makes them different from regular Jews. You'll need to watch the Before the Wrath. It's an excellent documentary. It's really good. But anyway, guys, with that, you need to be saved if you're not saved right now. And if you are saved and you've been living in sin, repent. (laughs) Repent of your sin. We all sin every day. (laughs) <laughs> we got to repent for that sin. And uh, I mean, then just because you've sinned and you're saved doesn't mean you're going to hell. Don't, don't, no, no, don't, don't, don't mistake that. Once you're saved, you're always saved. You're still with the Holy Spirit. Hello, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Woo-hoo, praise the Lord for that, right? Oh, thank you, Lord. Um, but we can sin and lose that, um, that fellowship with God. You know, because when you sin, you're, you're living in sin. 
you're not having that good fellowship with the Lord. You don't have that because he won't do that, right? But he's not going to forsake you and like you're going to have, No, no. But you'll lose that community, that relationship. You'll lose that fellowship. And so what you need to do is repent. Say, Jesus, I'm sorry, Father God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me for whatever I've been doing. You know what you're doing. We all know. And if you don't know, just, you know, what is it? The, is it Psalm 51? Is that the is that the Psalm that David prayed? Anyway, um, but whatever you've done, just pray for forgiveness. Like, Father, I'm living in sin. I've been doing this, whatever. You know what you've been doing. Ask for forgiveness and restore that right relationship with God today. I'm going to tell you what, and I'm going to look up Psalm 51 right now. It's either 51 or 53. Let me see here. Oh, my eyes, you guys. If you only knew, if you only knew <laughs> how blind I really am. Let's see. It's Psalm 51. And you know what? We're going to go ahead. Let's go ahead and uh, let's read that as we close tonight. Okay, you guys. Like I always say, get in the Word of God. Let the Word of God get into you. Let me find my uh, reading glasses. <laughs> let's see here guys okay so this is psalm 51 a prayer of repentance and this is of course uh david when nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone in to bathsheba so uh, let's read have mercy on uh, have mercy upon me O god according to your loving kindnesses according to the multitude of your tender mercies blot out my transgressions wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin for i acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you and you only have i sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge behold i was brought forth in iniquity and sin my mother conceived me behold you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom purge me with hyssop and i shall be clean wash me and i shall be whiter than snow uh, make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities create in me a clean heart O god and renew a steadfast spirit within me do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your holy spirit from me restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit then i will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed O god and the, the god of my salvation and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness O lord open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise for you do not desire sacrifice or else i would give it you do not delight in burnt offering the sacrifices of god are a broken spirit a, a broken and a contrite heart these O god you will not despise do good in your good pleasure to zion build the walls of jerusalem then you shall be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness with burnt offering and whole burnt offering then they shall offer bulls on your altar so folks get in the word of god let the word of god get into you and if you have been in sin here lately and you strayed away from the lord repent of your sin so that you can restore that right relationship with god and uh, I do too. <laughs> I have to repent um, daily, daily. Anyway, so guys, with that, gotta get off of here. Get in the Word of God. Let the Word of God get into you and Maranatha, Lord Jesus, Maranatha. May tonight be the night that the Lord calls us home. Wouldn't that be? Oh, that would be a great wake up call, wouldn't it? Oh my goodness! Listening for the trumpets, you guys. Thank you guys so much for listening. May God bless each and every one of you. And uh, I just thank you guys so much for listening. And I'm um, praying for all of you guys. 